Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with my special guest co-host, Michael. And today we're going to be talking about truth in sentencing and truth in reformation, restoration, or rehabilitation, whatever you want to go, whatever you want to call that. But before we get started, I want Michael to introduce himself to y'all. Those that don't know him, let him introduce himself, and then we're going to jump right into this episode. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Michael again. Uh, glad to be here with you. Glad to be here with Joe. Yeah. Uh, we had comments that uh, I couldn't be that people couldn't hear me before, so I'm speaking up this time. So I hope that you all can hear me. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I hope he talks up a little louder too, y'all. Uh, if you can't hear him, send us a message and let us know. And uh, if you have any questions or comments specifically for Michael or myself, please feel free to hit us up at doingtimewithjot at gmail.com, or you can leave a message on the podcast and we'll get it, and uh, we'll promptly respond to it. You know what I'm saying? On the next episode or the next available opportunity that we have. We welcome any kind of solicitation of comments from anybody out there. We want to thank you for all the support that you've been showing us. It's really appreciated. But, Michael, let's get right into the episode. We're talking about truth in sentencing and truth in reformation. But let me explain, before you get started on that, let me explain to everybody what the truth in sentencing law is. Truth in sentencing law went into effect July 1st, 2022, uh, without the governor's signature. In the state of Tennessee, uh, we have what they call a supermajority of the Republicans downtown. And they can pass a law or enact a law without the governor's signature uh, because they have so many, they have a supermajority, right? So the governor didn't sign it. I don't know what the issue is. He seems to be wanting to go in one direction. They want to go in another direction. That's fine. And uh, this law went into effect. And basically what it is is violent offenders uh, are sentenced to 100% of their sentence. That means they have to do the entire sentence, not a day off for good behavior whatsoever. And against a lot of objection, a lot of people out there said, we've, we've done this before, this didn't work, but this is the law of the land now. And nonviolent offenders, uh, they're sentenced to 100% as well, except that they can program 15% of their sentence away, meaning take certain kind of programs that the system makes available for them and chop that down to 85%. But violent offenders don't have that opportunity. But go ahead, Michael, and jump in and, and tell us what your opinion of the uh, truth and sentencing law is. Well, you know, like you said, the truth in sentencing, uh, for a person to do day for day 100%, that's not going to help that person to uh, uh, change their life, change their ways, to make them a better person, or to stop them from committing a crime when they're released. Because if you don't have life without, you're going to get out of here. Right. So helping somebody or even doing anything for these people that are going to be stuck in here for this amount of time, right. because they didn't change the statutes. So right. you're still going to get the same amount of time. Right. You're just going to have to do all of it. Right. So for me, uh, correction, it's not correction. You, you know, rehabilitation, I don't believe rehabilitation when it comes to a person. Because right. for me, rehabilitation is putting something back the way that it was. Mm -hmm. I'm not that same person that I was. So therefore, I'm reformed. I'm a okay. new person. I'm a new being. So that's what we need is reformation. We need we need reform. Right. Everybody, need everybody that's in the Department of Corrections wants to make a change or needs to be helped to make that change needs to be reformed. Okay, now give me a, a specific example because all the time you hear people talking about they need more programs, they need more of this, they need more of that. I've been in here for 34, going on 34 years now and I'm going to tell you, man, uh, they have some good programs throughout the state. You know, HVAC and things like that, right? Uh, uh, TDOT, you know what I'm saying? A program where guys can go out and work in the free world on construction sites and things like that. They have some good programs, but those programs are not available to the majority of the people that are incarcerated. So give me some specific examples that you think could be applied 
that everybody that wanted to could benefit from. First thing they need to do is do away with the with the policy that when when I went to try to take the HVAC class, they told me I had too much time. Mm-hmm. They need to do away with that. Right. It doesn't matter how much time a man's got. Right. If you want to try to better yourself, you need to be able to do that. They, right. they shouldn't they shouldn't hold you down because you have all this time. Right. If a man's got life life without or anything like that or like I had, you should still be able to take these classes because you want to do something to better yourself. Right. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, but here's my thing with that. Right. Let me let me explain something to you. Let me back up a little bit. I'm one of those people that does not believe that the number of years that you have, the number of years on your sentence that you have, has nothing to do with your change. No. Right? Absolutely nothing. You can give somebody five years, ten years, up to fifty years, a hundred years, whatever, life without. Those number of years are not going to be the main reason or the reason at all why that person changes their behavior. The opportunities have to be put in place that will allow this person to see that change and go in that direction. You feel what I'm saying? We just don't have that. Now, what you were saying a few minutes ago when you talked about uh, somebody like yourself with the type of sentence with the type of sentence that you have, you were told that you were not even allowed to participate in the HVAC program. I believe what you believe, that everybody should be able to participate in any program that's available in the TDOC. But I'm gonna go just a little step further with my idea of what reformation is. I believe that anybody that completes a program in TDOC that like HVAC, something that can be used on the town, that individual, no matter how much time they're serving, after they've gone through some checks and balances, you know what I mean? Let's say you got a life sentence after you've done 10 years in and your record shows this and they do thorough investigation to make sure you're somebody that can be trusted with a trustee status. I believe that if that person has that type of certification, if somebody out there on the streets, a legitimate vendor is willing to hire that individual, that individual should be able to go out there work and then come back here to sleep. I don't think it should have anything to do with the number of years that they're serving. And don't get me wrong, I understand that a lot of people out there will disagree with that. They'll say that murderers shouldn't be allowed to do this and so on and so forth. And there are some exceptions. I will give you that. There are some exceptions that I'll say, okay, some people should not be allowed to participate in programs like that. But the majority of people, the majority of people in here, they want that change but they're not given the opportunity to. When we had, before Commissioner Schofield came, we had trustees that had life sentence. Exactly. And in the state of Tennessee, y'all, not one lifer has ever tried to escape when they were trustees. It not one. Pe- it was the people that had an eight-year sentence yeah, to 10 years. it was the short right time. <laughs> they were the ones that were doing all that. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't want to take up too much of time. You go ahead, Michael. Give me another example of what you think uh, the type of program that we need in this in this state. First, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play devil's advocate on on what you just said about okay, people going yeah. out. Okay. Well, how do we screen the people that are gonna be the ones to do that? Because you know everybody, a lot of people will fake it till they make it, right. just to get there and right. then go out there and do something stupid. Right. Okay. So, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. So when you're dealing with people in prison, we have this idea of the individual has to be perfect before we're gonna take a chance and let this person go out. Right. I don't believe that. People are people, right? People are going to do things. So what you have to do to safeguard it as much as you can is to put put contingencies in place. For somebody with a life sentence, I'll say, okay, after 10 or 15 years, yeah. and I'm talking about watching and making sure this person's behavior is consistent with somebody that's trying to go in a good direction, all of the people that that individual has worked for inside the institution, yeah. they need to sign off on. I'm talking about counselors, COs, 
Uh, I don't care who it is. Anybody that has come in contact with that individual, if they have a feeling that this person cannot be trusted, that needs to be uh, paid attention to. And then they need a thorough background check by the internal affairs and anybody else that can dig into this person. And then they need to pass a psychological evaluation before they're allowed to go out there. But once they make, they check all of these boxes, even then, with a with an ankle bracelet or whatever, they yeah. need to be allowed to go out. And then, then you can go a little bit further. Maybe they need to be put in a workplace out there where they're locked inside of a building and not roaming free. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to come up with ideas. You got to get creative. You feel what I'm saying with these individuals? And let's say, let's say you can't find an employer to hire somebody like that, right? I think the Department of Corrections need to invest and have and bring more these companies onto the compound. Like you have Tricor and all of that. You need to have more of that. You need to take some of this land that's surrounding all of these prisons and open it up to these industries, these companies, and allow them to build companies around the prison where inmates can go out and work in those things, but still behind the fence, but they're free world jobs. Well, I can say, I can say that the Governor Lee is doing that with the agriculture program. Right. Uh, but a lot of people don't want to do just the agriculture thing, so they, they don't want to do that kind of stuff, the farming right. and stuff. But right. there's more to it. You're working on heavy equipment, you're, work, you're putting up greenhouses, good money. Well, yeah, that is good. It's, money. it's good money. That's good money. So but, I say, mm -hmm. I say like this. My mother and I had this discussion years ago yeah. about uh, uh, working out in the free world, working street right. jobs, and she said the reason they stopped is because they had such an out an outcry of people saying, "Well, they're taking good jobs from from good people, right. but nobody wants those jobs now." Right. But I guarantee you, the minute they give us those jobs, they're going to want them in. Yeah, they want them in. Yeah, they want them. It's just that. You know, some people just, no matter what we do, they're not going to forgive us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got to move beyond it. But let me, let me say something else, too, man, when it comes to, you know, those types of jobs that people don't want. Let, let, I'm one of those individuals that, you know, a horticulture wouldn't interest me. I'm, I'm a thinker, right? You know, and I like doing my podcast, right? Things like, I know a lot of people that are incarcerated like to do music. One of those ideas of reformation needs to be where... An individual like myself, you know, I got resources. I got a family that helps me and all of the things that I do, right? But a lot of people don't have the resources that I have. Yeah. Those avenues of help need to be set up inside the institution where somebody is trying to do music or trying to do something else other than the programs that are offered. A counselor should be able to assist them in that. Because that's that's true reformation. Because right. you got a man that, like you said, a man likes to do music, and he may want to do that when he gets out. Right. He has no opportunity to to, to no better himself to do that. Right. You got you got like uh, 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 Professor King was talking about. Right. We were talking about doing. Um, and tell everybody who Professor King is. Professor you know King saying? was our uh, criminology professor at Western Kentucky. She's retired right. in 2015. Right. And uh, so she's the first one to brought Inside Out here to yeah. this prison. Yeah. So the thing was was using your skills. A drug dealer, good at math. You might right. want to come up with something else you want to right. do. You right. know, besides that, right. you, you got to show people other opportunities that they have right. in the world. You know, right. because a, a, a drug dealer might like the fast money. Right. But you can make that fast money driving a truck. Yeah. You can make this fast money doing something right. else. And what you got going on now with the gig economy and all—it's it's ways that a person can find employment without ever having to leave the compound. Yeah. And and, and that those types of avenues need to be opened up to us. I understand people are reluctant to do it because we have already demonstrated that we can't be trusted by virtue of the conviction, okay? Let's give them that. That's true. But we have to have that opportunity to earn that trust back. If you never give people the opportunity to earn that trust back while they're incarcerated, 
instead of waiting to the last 24 months of a person's sentence. Yeah. You say, you in here for 20 years, you do 18, now you get down to the last two, they say, come on now, we're going to work on you now. Yeah, we're going to teach you something. Nah. <laughs> now you 18 years, you've wasted allowing this person to go deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole and becoming a monster, and you think you're going to be able to pull him up out of that rabbit hole or her up out of that rabbit hole in two years. It's not going to happen. They're going to do what you just said. They're going to fake it till they make it, and then they're going to go home, and then they're going to do what they do. The opportunities for change have to begin from day one, from day one. And one thing I did learn when I was still in rotation, like all of y'all, listen, when I say I'm in, ro in rotation, that's when I was, you know what I'm saying, active in the game, like blah, 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 okay? One of the things that I learned with a lot of the young guys that were up under me was this. If you teach them how they can make money, right? Because I used to talk about investing and all of that stuff back then. This is not new. But if you teach them how they can still provide for themselves, They'll leave that other stuff alone. I think so. But if you don't address that issue, I understand what people say. You you should change because that's the right thing to do this and that. But let's keep it 100 now. When your stomach gets the ground, a lot of that stuff goes out the window. You feel me? So you got to teach people how to earn a living. And then you can come with this, okay, you see why this is important? You, you, you got your foundation for earning your money. Now you need to work on some more things. You know what I'm saying? Maybe... Think about when you're in this situation, your moral compass is a little low. They'll be more open to listen to you because you have given them an opportunity on a way to provide for themselves and their family. So they're going to trust you now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And and, and, and and that is something else that we need to be focusing on, man. I, and uh, Do you have anything else? I don't want to just keep going on and on because I could do this episode for hours. Well, you know what I mean? For me, for me, my reformation came from uh, waking up in here every morning and seeing these walls and thinking to myself, why did I put myself in this situation? Right. And everything that happens to me with a CO talking bad to me and treating right. me some certain kind of way, it goes in my memory to know that this is not what I want. This is not what There you is want. no way in the world that I'm going to subject myself to this again. Right. If I have to live under a bridge to start off, that's what I'm going to have to do to stay to come up out of here, to stay right. out of here. Right. And I'm going to do what I have to do to stay out. But see, you're in a fortunate position, and I'm not going to dismiss that like it's not important, but... A lot of the guys, uh, Michael, you got to think about it, and I know you do, a lot of the guys in here don't have the opportunities or the family that we have. No, they don't. You know what I'm saying? No, they they don't, don't even think the way we think. No, not you at all. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes down to, you know, deciding whether to break the law again or living under a bridge, oh, it's easy for them. They're breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we have to, as a society, I think that uh, we have to be more open to, if we talk about change and rehabilitation and reformation or restoration, second chances in this country, it has to be real. Don't nobody want to hear all that old rah-rah talk. It has to be real. And one of the things that amazes me, now y'all correct me if I'm wrong. You correct me if I'm wrong, man. But what amazes me is about the Apostle Paul, right? Mm -hmm. Who was the Apostle Paul? He was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was what? A persecutor. He persecuted who? Christians. Christian. So this man was a murderer. Yeah. He was a killer. Yeah. A killer. <laughs> Flat foot. Flat foot. <laughs> Hunt you down. Yeah. But now, what do people look at him when they talk about the Apostle Paul? What do they say about him? That he was a good man. He's a good man. He's a good man. So if it's possible for the Apostle Paul, right? Why isn't it possible? Talking to you Christians out there now. You're a believer. If it was possible for the Apostle Paul, why isn't it possible? Why don't you see people in prison that are in here for violent offenses? Why don't you see them, us, 
through that same lens. That's all I will say. I can agree. I, de- I definitely agree. But you, I, it still goes back to that comment I made a few episodes back was, was what Dr. Phil said. The best way to predict future behavior is relevant past behavior. Okay. If somebody's in there acting a donkey, then we know that he's not going to do the right thing when he gets out. Absolutely. But here's the, I, look, totally agree with you. But then I'm on, let me take the other side of that too, right? What I'm saying is this. This environment. I know an individual that came into this system that was innocent. I mean, flat out innocent. He's been proven to be innocent. They exonerated him and gave him a million dollars. He's out there on the streets right now, right? Dude named McKinley. Slim. Yeah, but check this out. When McKinley was in here, what did he have to do in this environment? Oh, he got down. He had to adapt to this environment to survive. Yeah. And that's what happens in here. I don't think, look, I, I generally think that most people are good. I really believe that. And I'm not just saying that. But when you come in this environment where everybody is coming from a place of hurt and pain and everybody's scratching and thinking that this is what they have to do and you don't have anything on the other side that's saying, no, that ain't what you got to do. You feel what I'm saying? Then most people think that's what they have to do. And everybody in here is really scratching and trying to survive coming from a place of hurt. You know what I mean? So when you look at that behavior, of course you'll be like, man, these folks ain't changed. But look past that and say, okay, what, how did this environment come to be? How did this environment come to be? And how do we step outside of this environment within this the confines of this fence and say, okay, I don't have to act like that? I think it, like, it comes down to, like we spoke before about peer. You know, the, the our peers, we should, we us that have been locked up a long time need to reach out to these young people that want to listen because we know the majority of them are not going to try to no, hear what we're saying. No, like, you, you ain't talking about that. I don't, don't want to rap. Right, I don't want to rap. But we need to be their looking glass. We need to be the ones that they look to for guidance because uh, like Demo said a long time ago, you know, just because a person's old doesn't mean he has he's wise. You yeah. got old fools. Right. So these old fools are the ones that they're flocking to. Right. Instead of the one the ones they need to come to us to listen to to stay out of here. Right. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. But look, I could do this all day on this episode right here. But look, we're gonna wrap this thing up. This has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, and I'm the crime critic. Peace, y'all.